Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I don't know how many of you have had experience where maybe you, you're singing a song to yourself or you're looking at the words for the first time, and for the first time you really think of what the words mean, right? You ever had a song go through your head and so forth, and all of a sudden you think, wow, that's, that's what it says. I never really thought of that before. Or maybe you're singing a song, maybe you grew up like I did, um, and there was a lot of music in the 60s and 70s that was kind of fun and kind of cool. And now as an adult, you look at it and think, oh, wow, did we really sing that? I mean, that, uh, you know, Rod Stewart's kind of fun, but I don't know if I'd want to sing those lyrics today, you know, to my kids or something. Um, that happens too, right? And occasionally, have you ever had a situation where you've, you've been singing the wrong words the whole time to a song? Anybody have that besides me? Uh, oh, good, thanks. Well, you're a musician. That makes me feel good. Uh, last year, I think it was last year, I was singing along with a, Remember the Carpenter song about, uh, the really popular Christmas song about missing her, uh, loved one on Christmas Eve, right? And there's the line that, uh, logs on the fire fill me with teardrops. And Teresa says, what? And I said, <laughs> I said, logs in the fire fill me with teardrops. Said, That's not what it says. It says logs in the fire fills me with desire. So I had to go look it up and, uh, <laughs> she was right. <laughs> I've been singing that way for 45 years, you know, and no one never corrected me. Which, which, which kind of made me, th- I was thinking this week about uh, the music. I mean, we had, wasn't that a great choir and children's choir and I want to say, I don't want to say presentation, concert. It was a ministry last week. I just thought that was just so wonderful. And um, I just appreciate so much our choir and the musicians and all the musicians, all they do every week. The work goes into this to prepare for this. And I was thinking about the Christmas songs. Peace and I have talked about this, how whether it's in your neighborhood, maybe you're out caroling or someone comes to your door to carol. Maybe it's just listening to the radio. Maybe it's at work where music is playing in the background. And this time of year, the Christmas stations are on and you stop and sometimes in very you know secular settings where there's no interest maybe in Christianity, religion, and in the background are these words. I mean, what other time of year do people just in the background have going songs about Christ, the Messiah, coming to Israel, angels, heaven, glory? I mean, really stop and think about it. Do, do people ever really stop and listen to that? You know, if you think about all the songs and the theme of those Christmas songs that are just kind of playing this time of year all over the place, and do people ever really stop and listen? Last week, our, uh, our the men's quartet, you know, Mary, Did You Know, and the words of that song, and they have that playing in a store in the background. And do you, do you, do you want to say, hey, people, listen, stop for a minute. Do you, do you hear what they're saying? And, you know, it's just this time of year, and I, and I got to thinking what the, the theme, the theme of those songs over and over again, I just, I just jotted down in my, going through the Christmas songs in our hymnal. And uh, you can almost start at the beginning of them, and there's this constant, I'm not going to sing them all to you, but there's this a constant theme of 
of, of, of the king. Oh, come all you faithful, come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come all you faithful. The next page, O little town of Bethlehem. And we sang, we sang this today, and praises sing to God the king and peace to men on earth. It came upon a midnight cleary, a clear. Peace on earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king. I mean, over and over and over, I could go through all of them and you go through, and there's this theme that resonates throughout our Christmas songs of the king, the Messiah, to Israel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. King, Messiah. Next page, 278. Angels, we have heard on high. Come adore on bended knee. This is what we sang this morning. Christ the Lord, the newborn king. So this theme in our, in our, in our Christmas music of the king, the Messiah, the king to Israel is like the story of Christmas. And do, do people ever really think about that? We don't think about outside our church and Christian context maybe that much about the Messiah and Israel and the king. And yet that is a theme that is playing in the background of our culture all Christmas season. And I just thought it would be appropriate today as we prepare to celebrate Christmas together, to just consider that for a minute. What, what, did, what did they expect that first Christmas morning? What were they expecting? What was that expectation based on? And what is our expectation as we, as the family of Christ, celebrate Christmas together? But let's just, let's just pray before we open God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share in this time. And Lord, we continue to worship by looking at your word and meditating on it and reading it and thinking about it today. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts will always be open to your word, to what you would have for us, and that we may live by your word. And that we might be, as Paul says, epistles read by men and women of the Word of God in our lives. To that end, we give you these next few moments. Bless our children, Father, our dear children and young people. Bless them as they continue to look into your Word, to sing together. Uh, May you just uh, bring your Word real to their hearts today as well. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. These well-known passages of Scripture, uh, we read from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth, in verse 4, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ 
the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. What were they expecting? These shepherds, assuming they were shepherds of Israel, sort of the lower class of work uh, in, in Palestine. Mary and Joseph, family of David, from the house of David, from Galilee, very common, poor people, very common people. What were they expecting? Zacharias and Elizabeth, what were they expecting? What were the Magi when they came? Simon, Simeon and Anna in the temple when they brought Jesus later to present him. And, and, and Simeon says, I can go in peace. I have seen God's anointed one. What were they expecting? What were they expecting? What do we sing about every Christmas when we sing these songs? The, the, your bulletin this morning, you'll notice the theme in the bulletin this, this day is Messiah. Messiah, which translates the Hebrew word Mashiach. The word Mashiach is simply the word for anoint, the anointed one, the anointed one. What were they expecting? I've chosen one Old Testament passage to go back to this morning to kind of prepare maybe our hearts to, 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 to put it in context of what were they expecting that first Christmas? Were they, were they expecting a king to be born in a royal? Sometimes we talked about in a royal context. Sometimes we talked about how surprising this was, that he was born in Bethlehem to common people in a very common and humble state, uh, setting. Our, our, our candle today represents the theme of humility, was that a shock? Was that a surprise? What were they expecting? I'd like you to go back to the book of Micah. Micah, of course, in chapter 5, where we have this very well-known prophecy of Bethlehem. Go back, if you if you get to Obadiah, Amos, in that area, and get to Jonah, then Micah. In your Old Testament, if you're, if you're turning pages, you'll, you'll find it right after Jonah. The prophet Michael, one of the shorter minor prophets, minor only because they're shorter books, not because they're less important. And chapter 5 is where we have this well-known passage from uh, the Old Testament that specifically refers to Bethlehem. It begins this way, marshal your, marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod, but you... Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. This is the prophecy about the coming anointed one. The coming anointed one. He specifically is talking about a person, and he connects it with Bethlehem, Bait Lechem, in the Hebrew, the house of bread, Beth or Bait is house, Lechem is bread or baker, 
the house of the bread or the house of baker, which of course is important when the Lord claimed to be the bread of life. He will come from Bethlehem because he is from the family of David. And David was from that insignificant town of Bethlehem. It was crowded when we were there a year and a half ago. And we stood in line. But we can say we've been to Bethlehem at Christmas time. And we, and we were, and we were there and we saw the place where historically it probably really was the place, even though it looks different today than one might expect, where Jesus was born. It was a small town in David's day. It was not the most important or one of the most important cities in Judah, but it was the family home of King David. And it was promised to David there will always be a ruler on the throne of Israel from the family of David. The prophet Micah here predicts, Bethlehem, you're small, but out of you will come one who will rule over my people. The context, though, if you go back to chapter 4, what did this mean? What did this look like that the king that we sing about at Christmas time, what were they expecting? What would it look like to rule over the house of Israel? I want you to go back in one chapter earlier, in chapter 4. And this is what it will look like. This is, this is what we are singing about. This is what is running in the background all Christmas season. It's about this story. Does anybody really believe this? Does anybody really believe this? this is what, what we're singing about, what we, what we are taught. Was it just a nice story of a, of a baby born in the mangers we have over here and, and kind of a warm, cozy setting and people coming and these common people and we put it away till next Christmas what are we singing? What's the story that we're actually in the background all Christmas season that comes from God's Word? Chapter 4 and verse 1. In the last days, in the last days, and this was important for the prophets, we are looking toward the last days when God is going is to finalize His plan. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. And look at peoples or nations will stream to it. We're talking about Jerusalem. I mean, it's clear. This is no other place. This is the mountain of the Lord, Mount Zion, Mount Moriah, the mountain of the Lord where the temple is. And he says, in that day, people from all over the world, nations are going to stream to this place. Many nations, not just Israel, but many nations will come and say, quote, come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us. These are the nations. These are the nations. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In the synagogue service, when the ark is taken, the the scriptures, the scrolls would be in the ark behind the, the pulpit back here. And the ark... Today, when the ark is opened up and the, and the scrolls are taken out of the synagogue, as they're, as they're taken out of the ark in the synagogue, and the, and the rabbi or the president of the congregation would, would quote this verse, and we'll do so today. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples, and he will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. This is this anointed one, what he is going to do when he comes. People are going to stream to to Israel, to the mountain of God. This is what it says. The nations will come to seek his advice, to seek his word, to seek God's word. 
and the, this anointed one, he will judge among the people. He will, he will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. And this, this passage that, that, that is, that is very well known. It's on monuments around the world. He will, he will, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Why? Because nation, think of this. Is this possible? Is this possible? Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Is that possible? Is it possible that we would ever have a time on this earth where there would be no wars? There would be no fighting. You would not need military weapons. You could take those resources and put them into farming tools to farm instead because you don't need them. You don't need them. This is the picture, friends, of this kingdom, this Messiah, this anointed one who comes to earth and he comes to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem becomes the focus of the world and people stream from all over the world to come and go to the mountain of God and to hear his word, to hear his judgments and to live by his word. And they no longer have to live in fear because he is the ruler, the judge, and he will rule here. This is the messianic kingdom, your Volton, the Messiah, the Mashiach. He is the one who is going to come. And then look what it says here. I like this one. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. That's going to be a good day, right? Our own fig tree. Mine's going to have to grow for me to sit underneath it. For my, but it's, it's getting there. But what's the picture? It's because you don't have to worry about conflict. You don't have to worry about, about losing these things. You can just sit and enjoy what God has blessed you with and serve him in peace and joy and in gladness. You'll sit under your own vine. You don't, I don't need to take your vine and your fig tree. We'll just all enjoy what God has given us. Why? Because no man will make them afraid. Oh man, isn't, come on now. Isn't that good? Amen. Isn't that a good word? No one will make them afraid for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. That is the message. This is the message of this coming Messianic era, that the prophets, whether we believe it or not, this is what the prophets are talking about. This is the message of the prophets over and over and over again in both the major and the minor prophets, preparing Israel for this hope that the Messiah is going to come as king and reign. And this is the background music we are listening to. Every Look at every song. Look, Pick out any of the Christmas songs and don't you find this theme of the Messiah, the king, peace, goodness, a world without war. This is the message that we receive from our Christmas music that we are singing together and sharing in. And Israel was looking forward to this. Israel was looking forward to this. It is interesting in chapter... So what did they make of this? What were they expecting? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, what were they expecting? You know, it's interesting. If you look where we began in chapter 5 about Bethlehem, could you look at verse 3 for a minute? Therefore, Israel will be abandoned, as I read, until the time when she who is in labor 
gives birth. And the rest of his brothers returned. And you have this theme that, that was talked, talked about and spoken of that during a time of tribulation and trouble, when it comes to the end, it will come to an end when he comes back. Oh, you, Bethlehem, you are small among the nations, but he will come to you. What does this have to do with travail and trouble as a, as a woman in birth? This is a theme throughout the Bible as well. And in fact, um, I read you a note from the, the Jewish Publication Society. I mentioned this in class this morning. This is the Bible put out by the JPS Jewish Publication Society, the, the, the Tanakh, and it has commentary. It's a great translation, and I love the I love the translation. But it, it refers to this about when it talks about this this thought here. Traditional Jewish interpretation of this verse I just read you, this verse I just read you about about the the, the time of travail. The time of travail tend to focus on comparison between the birth pangs of a woman and the hardship of Israel prior to the coming of the Messiah. The following is one example. A very famous rabbi, just, just shortened Rob, Rob, said this, quote, The son of David will not come until the Roman power enfolds Israel for nine months, as it is written, therefore... Will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth has brought forth, then a remnant of his brothers shall return. They took it literally. A pregnancy lasts for nine months. It's a time of travail. Now, yes, I mean, think about it. When, when a woman is pregnant, of course, many of you can identify with this. Or those of us whose wives have been pregnant, we identify. Your life changes. It's not all bad, right? Let me... <laughs> it's not all bad. It's not all bad. But it is a big change. I mean, your life changes when you're pregnant. And as you get closer and closer to the time of your due date, it is a time of travail, if you will. It's a great time of expectation, yes. But it's, it's a time where everything in your life changes. Everything in many ways becomes more difficult. And things that you used to do, you can't do. And it takes more effort and more creativity to do some of those things. And then the time of giving birth. And the Bible talks about it. The pains of childbirth. Yes, it's a good thing. The result is a good thing. But the pains of childbirth, and especially in the era where uh, there, there, if, if it was really complicated, there was nothing they could do but, but deliver the baby. The pains of childbirth is used in the Bible over and over again for the time of tribulation before the Lord comes. And this verse that we, that we read about, about, about Bethlehem, oh, you of Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will rule Israel. Israel will be abandoned until the time when she was in labor gives birth. And the rabbis, some of them even said during the Roman times, we have nine months and he's going to come because we are being oppressed by the Romans. Well, of course, that wasn't what happened in nine months. But you understand this, what were they expecting? And we come to the, we come to the gospel stories and we come to the account of of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ that we just read from the Gospel of Luke. And we read from the Gospel of Matthew, likewise, the stories from Joseph's perspective of, of, of what he went through and, 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 and having to decide whether to stay with Mary. And we are told that when the wise men came, 
In chapter 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Based on the Old Testament Scriptures and in connection with the star in the Old Testament Scriptures, they came and they followed it and they said, We're looking for the King of the Jews. Of course, this pricked Herod's ears because Herod was the king of the Jews. He called himself the king of the Jews because he was half Jewish by his father's conversion. And what did they say? He went to the, he went to the rabbis and Pharisees. He said, where is he to be born? We want to find him too. And they said to him, the rabbis said to him, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what is written, you, O Bethlehem. You, O Bethlehem, from Micah of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You know, it's interesting. Oftentimes we think that when Jesus was born, it was so different than what anybody expected. But I want to suggest to you, it probably happened exactly how most of the Jews were expecting it. They were not expecting a royal birth because there was no throne of David. They were in the nine months of travail. They were in the time of tribulation that that Micah spoke about. They believed they were in this time of persecution. They were in a time of waiting for the birth of the the Messiah. It was a time of travail like like a woman in labor. They weren't expecting a royal birth. There was no royal, there was no throne. There was no capital. There was Jerusalem. There was the temple, but there was no king. There was no king family to have a baby who would be the king. They weren't expecting that. You, you can read. In fact, the expectations were all over the map in Jewish theology from the first century of what they were expecting. But the common thread was this. The common thread, even though it was all over the map as far as what they were really expecting, the common thread was this. He would be a child of David and he would come from Bethlehem. And we would not know it we would not know it until he was revealed. They weren't, they weren't expecting big notifications about the birth of the king. It probably happened exactly how most people expected it to happen. It would happen to somebody that they wouldn't expect it. They would happen to some place out of Bethlehem. And they probably wouldn't know about it until God revealed here he is. It's time. The, the nine months are over, if you will. That's what they were expecting. And that's exactly how it happened. The, 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 the surprise in the Gospels is not that it was going to happen. The surprise was us, Mary. The surprise was a virgin birth. The surprise was Joseph, my betrothed. The surprise was Zacharias and Elizabeth, at our age, the surprise was the shepherds, us. That was a surprise that God chose these people, but not that it happened in this very quiet way because they expected it would happen and then he would be revealed. And we see this in the rabbis. I can show you passages in, the, in some of the writings from between the Testaments that talk about, we will know when he is revealed. And that's why Simeon said, I can die in peace now. And you know what's interesting? That where it really is, that it really is revealed. And the first to really ascribe to him this actual name is in the Gospel of John in chapter 2 with Nathaniel. And when Jesus came to him, 
with, with Philip brought Jesus to Nathanael. And, and Nathanael says, how do you know me? Verse 48. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And based on that, Nathanael makes this proclamation for the first time in the Gospels. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You are the Son of God. And you are the King of Israel. Friends, this is the background. For some, it's background noise this time of year. Listen for it. Is anybody listening? Is anybody really listening? Is it just a holiday that's Christmas? Or is it actually the message that the one born in Bethlehem was the promised Mashiach and King of Israel? The one who would actually come and bring world peace, would actually bring an end to wars and distress, would actually inaugurate this era when people would come from all over the world to seek God, and finally Christ would be reigning on earth. Did they really, does anybody really believe that? Friends, that is the message that we are singing about. Does anybody ever stop to think, why didn't it happen? Why didn't it happen? We, you know, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, right? There is no peace on earth, I said. Why didn't it happen? And I want to suggest to you, this, this is a good time of year. This is a good time of year for, and I don't say this humbly, but I, I'm just appreciative. I come from a tradition. This is a good time of year to, to take the Bible literally. To, to, to understand the Bible literally. And not, and not to, and not to say that, well, we know what really happened, that, you know, he didn't really come, and instead, we are bringing in the kingdom of God, we are building peace on earth today. But to take the Bible literally and say, you know what? We are expecting this is really still going to happen. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that Christ is going to come and next time on the clouds of the air and every eye will see him and he will come in royalty and he will come to earth? It will be after a terrible time of birth pains and tribulation, but he really is going to come again and this kingdom is really going to happen. Friends, if this is the kingdom, if this was what the kingdom looks like, wow, it's disappointing. <laughs> How many millions of people have we butchered each in the last 150 years? But it's going to happen, friends. This is the background. To some, it's background noise. But I hope for you that this time of year is a time of year that our hearts would be lifted as we sing these songs and we affirm over and over and over again that we believe this is going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come again. And in the meantime, what is your expectation today? What's your expectation? People in the first century, they were expecting a Messiah. They probably were expecting it to happen just as it happened. It just wasn't, they were surprised it happened to them. <laughs> but he was rejected. What are you expecting? What's your anticipation? 
What are you expecting? Let me just read a passage in closing that I think is something that we should be expecting every day as a result of the fact that Christ opened up a new way of salvation. It all happened exactly as it was supposed to. He died in the cross. No one expected that, friends. Nobody expected that. Even though Isaiah 53 makes it really clear, no one expected it. But he died in the cross to pay for our sins. And we are part of the new people of God, the church, the body of Christ today. He is coming, he's coming back for us. There's one hallelujah. Does anybody else believe that? Oh, come on. <laughs> you really believe Christ is coming back? He is. He is. Man, all those funerals we've had this last two months, we're going to be together again. He is coming back. What are you expecting? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul expected. For this reason, Ephesians 3, I kneel before the Father. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is what I, this is what I expect for us, for our little, our little corner here, the body of Christ on this corner. Our little, our little spot here. What, what does God want for this church, for our family? What does he want for us? I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Mashiach, the Anointed One, is he anointed in your life, that he may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, that you being rooted and established in love, in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp. Friends, this is our expectation. They were, they were expecting the Messiah, and he came. We are expecting him to return. And until that day, this is my Christmas expectation for you and for me. Paul says that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, we need this. This is our expectation. This is our Christmas expectation in this century. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, uh, in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. That's our Christmas hope. May Christ fill us with his love that we may be a written epistle of the truth of this message. He really did come. He really is. Go ahead and put the manger away if you want. But the cross isn't going anywhere. He really is coming back. And he really is coming for us. 
And until then, may we grow in the love of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we worship and we sing about, and it will never be background noise to us. The newborn King has come to earth. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sing songs with such rich meaning that we love. Lord, I just pray there may be a heart open this week. Maybe someone this week will hear a song and hear a message, and and it may connect the power of the Holy Spirit with the message of hope and salvation. What a wonderful Christmas this would be for someone to pass from death to life. And may we be examples of your love and may our mouths be open as our hearts to share the good news this Christmas season of Christ, the Son of God, become flesh to give us salvation. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for leading worship today. Thank you for coming. I hope you can join us tomorrow night. I know all of you can't. But if you can, come and join us at 5 o'clock for our annual Christmas Eve service, a candlelight service, one hour of music and scripture readings, a short meditation, time of fellowship, invite a friend. God bless you and a merry, wonderful, blessed Christmas to all of you and your families. Father, we thank you again for the joy of this day. First day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, once again. And it's such a joy to be able to connect Christmas and Easter in our hearts and our lives every day. May we grow in your grace and walk in your spirit and show your love and kindness this week. And may we just take a moment to seriously meditate once again on this amazing miracle of the incarnation. God become flesh because you chose to love us so much. In Christ our Savior's name, all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen.